welcome. This is a message from Victory Church. We trust you'll be inspired and encouraged by today's message. So good to be with you. I like this church. You guys are crazy here too. Man, I love seeing adults that love Jesus. I can see where all these crazy kids come from now. My goodness, it's a privilege to be with you here this morning. And uh, before I get going, I just want to say you guys have incredible pastors. Very impressed. Can you guys give it up for your pastors? Got to hang out with them the other night, briefly. And uh, just, just the, this, you know what speaks louder to me than anything is the fact that your pastors would support another church in the city and say, I'm going to open up the doors of my church to support this bigger cause. And in my mind, a, a pastor that believes in unity more than competition, that speaks louder to me than a lot of things speak. So can you give it up for your pastors one more time? My goodness, you guys are amazing. Tony and Kath, love your spirit. I'm falling in love with Australia quite quickly, by the way. I might have to move over. I don't know. I'm really enjoying it. Yeah, I love your kids. Been in Perth, had a conference there. Preached a couple times in Perth, preached several times here in Adelaide, and between us, I'm like in Adelaide right now, and uh, had a great time, preached several times, and so I'm kind of getting tired of the sound of my own voice, but hopefully you won't, amen? <laughs> We're going to have a good time today in church. Is it okay if we, uh, if you hear something, I told your young people this, it's our custom back home, if you hear something you agree with, you can say amen. If you really enjoy something, you hear something good, you can say, I agree, and if you just want to make me feel good like I'm a Pentecostal preacher, come on, I always tell people, don't let the white skin fool you. When I start preaching, there's a black man stuck inside of me. It's got to get out. Come on. I grew up in Los Angeles. All my friends were African-American, and so I get rowdy sometimes. It's okay to say preach. If you hear something you agree with, say preach. And I promise you that, uh, that God's going to do something amazing this morning. Uh, I like to start, if I could, if you guys have the slides, my wife sends her greetings. I married the most beautiful woman on the planet, and uh, if, if there's a picture maybe we could throw up of her just to, just to testify that I ain't lying right now. She is gorgeous. She's godly and good looking. Can I get an amen? Is there any single people in the house this morning that wants to marry someone that's godly and good looking? There she is. My God. Lord Jesus, you love me. He really, I told I'm telling you, he likes me. Uh, but uh, that's my wife, Rochelle. She's incredible. And uh, we have a two-and-a-half-year-old. This is a little bit older picture. But this is my daughter, Kensington. And uh, she's a doll. Uh, I told her that I'm going to Australia when I go speak places. I never want my daughter to think that speaking takes daddy away from her. So I always tell her, even now at this young age, when I go somewhere, she says, Daddy, where are you going? I say, I'm going to Australia. So she goes, Australia? And then I, I say, you know why I'm going to Australia? And most people would probably say, well, she probably knows you're going to preach. No, no. When you ask my daughter why I'm leaving the country, she always says the same thing. Daddy goes to buy toys. <laughs> so my daughter knows that whenever daddy's gone, there's a bunch of toys coming home with daddy. And she's always going to have a good taste of ministry from dad and mom because this is my first church. Pastors, look at me. This is your first church is your family. Can I get a good amen? 
And uh, great families are contagious. And if pastors have great marriages and great families, I believe it goes all the way down like Psalms 133. It gets into the churches. And I look around, I see some healthy families in here because we have some healthy pastors. Can I get a good amen? Yeah, it's okay to clap. Get, your, get warmed up. Get a good clap going. Get a good clap going. My goodness. We're going to have a good time in church today. Lord sent me around the world, uh, not just for a conference, but God gave me a word just for you today. It's a custom word. It's tailored just for this church. And the Lord told me to tell you prophetically, because he speaks to me, that he wanted you to know that 2011 is not going to be a year that you simply survive, but it will be a year that you thrive. I don't know who I'm talking to in here today, but some of you thought, man, I just need to get through this year and I'll be fine in the future, hopefully. No, I'm here to tell you today that you're not going to just survive this year, you're going to thrive this year. Amen. That's good preaching. If you have your Bibles, we're going to get into the Word today. I want to have a good time today in church. Anyone like to have fun in church? like to have a good time in church. If you have it uh, ready to go, uh, team, we want to go to Romans chapter 5. If you're taking notes today, I want you to write down miracles in the meantime. Miracles in the meantime. If I could get the sound guys, just give me as much as you got up here. My voice is a little bit weak. We're going to have a good time. Romans chapter 5, when you get there, say, I'm so there. Actually, when you get there, look at your neighbor and say, you look good today. If it's your wife, say, you look gorgeous. If it's your husband, say, you must work out. Come on. Wives want to look pretty. Husbands want to be buff. Can I get an amen? I always tell my wife, I got a six-pack, baby. Just my cans are turned sideways. <clears throat> Sorry. All right, we're going to get into the word today. Miracles in the meantime. Romans chapter 5. When you get there, say, I'm there. Romans chapter 5. Let's pick it up in verse 1. It says, therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we also have access by faith, through whom we also have access by faith, through whom we also have access, help me out somebody, into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations. This is crazy to me. This might mess you up. This messes me up in America that, that the Bible says to glory, not in joy, but in tribulations. Why would it say such a thing? That's audacious. Knowing that tribulation produces perseverance. Tribulation produces, if tribulation was on its honeymoon, its offspring would be perseverance. Are you hearing me today? What's perseverance, uh, Mark Francie? I will tell you what it is. It's a steady course of action. Write this down if you're taking notes today. It's a steady course of action purpose in spite of difficulties, obstacles, or discouragement. I got a word for somebody today. Follow me, follow me, follow me. Don't let the young age fool you. Come on, God's got something for you today. It's a steady course of action or purpose, especially, someone say especially, in spite of difficulties, obstacles, and discouragement. I heard it's a miracle that this building looks as good as it does today. That there's a church that persevered to make sure this building looks what it looks today. We didn't give up. There were some difficulties. There were some challenges. There were some obstacles. But baby, we're sitting in a beautiful room today. Can I get a good amen? Watch me now. Watch me now. It says, it says, we rejoice 
and hope, glory, God. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulations produces perseverance. Perseverance, watch this now. If it, if it, it's on its honeymoon, it produces character. Character also produces hope. Now the hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Let's go to the Message Bible right now. Message Bible, if we can pull that up. Uh, Romans chapter 5, do we have that? Can I read it off the screens okay? It says, by entering through faith into what God has already wanted to do for us, set us right with him, make us fit for him. We have it all together with God because of our master Jesus. Can I get an amen? It says, and that's not all, folks. We threw, uh, we throw open our doors to God and discover at the same moment that he has already thrown open his doors to us. Can I get an amen? That's good. It says, we find ourselves standing where we always hoped we might stand. I love that. Thank you, Jesus. Out in a wide open spaces of God's grace and glory, standing tall and shouting God's praises. Man, that's good. We just did nothing else. We just read the message Bible today. That just blesses me. Let's go to James chapter 1. When you get there, say, I'm there. We'll pick it up in verse, uh, I believe, verse, verse 2, verse 2, verse 3, verse, verse 2. Let's verse, 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 verse. Verse 2. Let's go verse 2. James says in chapter 1, verse 2, if you're taking notes today, write down miracles in the meantime. James chapter 1, verse 2 says, it says, count it all the joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing, the testing, someone say the testing. Look at your neighbor and say, this is only a test. Do you have those commercials in Australia? The screen would go fuzzy and it'd go beep, 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 beep. You guys are looking at me like you don't have these here. <clears throat> and it goes, this is a test. This is only a test. Okay. <clears throat> Keep going, okay? <laughs> this is only a test. But I'm, uh, I love it because it says, it says uh, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience, but let patience have its perfect work in you that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Anyone want to lack nothing in here? Okay, let's read it in the Message Bible. You're going to get blessed by this. My God. Here we go. It says, if, if any of you, oh, here we go, here we go. It says, consider it a sheer gift. Anyone like gifts in here? Wives say diamonds are forever. <clears throat> Amen. Consider it a sheer gift, friends, when tests and challenges come at you from all sides. It's a gift. You know that under pressure, your faith life is forced into the open and shows its true colors. So don't try to get out of anything prematurely. Has anyone ever been through a test and you try to get out of it prematurely? Lord Jesus, if you love me, get me out of this mess. I know I have. Amen. It says... Is that let it do its work so you can become mature and well-developed, not deficient in any way. If you don't know what you're doing, pray to the Father. He loves to help. You'll get his help and won't be uh, condensed uh, to, what you, uh, to when you ask for. Amen. Can I get an amen? Is that, is that verse 5 too? Perfect. Let's pray. Can we pray this morning? Let's pray, let's pray, let's pray. Father... I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you want to do something powerful this morning. I thank you, Lord, the grass withers, the flower fades. But we know that, God, the word of God endures forever. We know that the word is so powerful that, Lord, whether we're not Christians today, we know the power of the word actually is able to meet us right where we're at. I thank you that whether we've been Christians our whole lives and we're 70 years old, I thank you that today, even through a 27-year-old punk kid preacher, your word has the power to edify us. 
I thank you, Holy Spirit, you want to do something special today. I thank you there's miracles that are going to happen in here today. I thank you, Lord Jesus, that someone that's been asking you, that's been knocking on the door of heaven for healing is going to get healed before they leave this building today. Some cancer that's going to be gone before the meeting's over. I thank you, Holy Spirit, there's a, there's a skin disease that's going to be gone before this meeting's over over. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that when you show up, we believe that anything and everything can happen. Lord Jesus, we invite you to come and do the impossible. If you love God and you believe he can, someone shout amen. 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 Shout amen. amen. Sorry, I'm a youth pastor. If I'm a little bit ADD for you, it's because I work with your kids. If you work with kids and you try to keep their attention, you'd be juggling some knives too. Amen. So I get a little bit energetic sometimes. Sometimes I get crazy. Just forgive me. I want to apologize ahead of time. I get too energetic for you if I talk too fast. Are you with me today? All right, all right. Someone say miracles in the meantime. Miracles. Have you guys ever used the phrase here in Australia? We use it a lot here, a lot in America. Growing up, especially all the way up to now, have you ever heard somebody use the phrase, I can't wait? Who's ever used that in a sentence before? I can't wait. Some of you are like, man, I can't wait until this guy gets done preaching. <laughs> I can't wait to get some food after this serve. I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't wait. It's kind of an audacious statement, kind of ridiculous. It's kind of like when you use love in the same sentence as ice cream. You don't really love ice cream, you just like it. Maybe you actually do love ice cream, actually. Actually, now that I'm thinking about it, maybe you do love ice cream. But... But it's kind of a ridiculous statement, in a sense, because I've heard people say it my whole life. I remember being young and being in elementary school. Remember, I was so mature in my fourth year of school. And I I had really just this profound revelation that I had kind of the center of knowledge and understanding within my fourth grade heart. And I knew that something inside of me was saying, the day will come that I will go on to middle school. You don't have middle school here. It'd be like saying going to high school. I'm too big for this place. Too smart for this school. Got to sixth grade. I was like, man, I got to go to high school. The seventh grade. When does high school start? Ninth grade here? Eighth grade. Okay, so be like this. When I was in seventh grade, I was thinking to myself, my God, this school isn't big enough for me anymore. I'm beyond this little school. These little people going on to bigger things. I remember saying to myself, I can't wait to get out of this school. You get to high school. You ever heard someone say stuff like this? You get to high school, and everyone around junior year of high school, senior year, year 12 of high school, people start talking like, they start getting, they call it senioritis here. They call it that in the States. It's your senior year. It's 12th grade year, so everyone starts getting anxious and ADD, and they start saying, man, I can't wait to graduate. Go to university. Move out of this city. That's what kids always say, right? And then they graduate and they start saying things like, I can't wait to move out of mom and dad's house. Get my own place. They can't tell me what to do anymore. Freedom. Then they move out. They realize that mom's not there to do the laundry anymore. And mom's food ain't in the refrigerator anymore. And they start saying things like, I can't wait to move back home. Watch me now, watch me now. I'm going to catch up to somebody in here. I can't wait till I graduate college, university. I can't wait to pay off all my loans from school. 
Can't wait to get a good job. So I got money to take my honey on a date. Call them honeys here? I'm sorry. It's probably not culturally relevant. Uh, my girlfriend on a date. Watch me now. I can't wait till I get my career so I can get married. Can't wait to get married so I can have sex. We're Christians. Come on, say amen. I can't wait to buy a house. Tired of this apartment. Can't wait. Come on, you ever been there before? I can't wait to have, I can't wait to get a raise so I can actually afford kids. And you get a raise. Can't wait to have kids. And you have kids. And I can't wait until my kids get out of diapers. I'm tired of changing poop diapers. I can't wait until my kids go to school so I have a life again. I'm, I'm catching up some parents in here right now. I can't wait until my kids get out of school so they move out of my house. Stop eating all my food. Can't wait till they get married so that I'm, so I can stop supporting them. I can't wait till I go on vacation. Can't wait till I retire. People stop telling me what to do with my life. Oh, I'm getting tired right now. I'm just, I've just gone through about 60 years of life. I can't wait to retire so I can golf all day. You finally retire. You're 60, 70 years old. And isn't it amazing how deceiving life is? That all the things you couldn't wait to get out of, you wish you could go back to. I wish I was young again. Man, I wish my kids were still in I wish my kids were still babies so I could tell them what to do. My kids are growing up now and they're stupid. I can't say nothing to them because they're adults. When we look back, I've talked to my grandmother, have many great conversations with my grandmother about this. If you're, if you're, I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's just America. I think it's everywhere, actually. But I believe that, that it's so easy. How many of you say it's pretty easy to look back on your life, whether you're old or young today, and you've seen the hand of God on your life? Who would say that, man, I look back, and it's a miracle that I'm sitting in this chair today. It's a miracle that God's kept me safe. It's a miracle. I was stupid. I was young once. I was dumb once. Some of you are still young, and you're still dumb. Come on, somebody. But it's a miracle that I'm in this church today. You look back. I don't know what it is. It's easy for most people to look back and see God at work in their life. I've even found that it's easy to look into your future and have faith to believe that, man, you know what? I do believe that my best days are ahead of me. Who believes that today? My best days are ahead of me. God's going to do wonder. Who, who here today has faith to say, God's going to do wonderful things in the future? Who believes that? Shout, yeah. All right, watch me now. Why is it, though, that so many times, so many times, in our present, we have difficulties really anticipating God to do something wonderful? Watch me now. Watch me now. Meantime means the interventing time. 
Meantime, you guys use that word here in, this, in America, right? Or in America, jet lag. Okay, sorry. You guys use the word meantime, don't you hear? You ever heard it in a sentence before? We're going to have a party at our house on Friday, but in the meantime, I'm going to go to the grocery store and buy some food. That's it's used in a sentence. I don't know what it is, but a lot of times in life, we, we go through mean times. We have great things that God's called us to do. We have great hopes and great dreams and aspirations. But for some reason, when we're struggling with our normal daily lives, we have difficulties. Like, God, I know you've done something in the past. I know you got something for me in the future. But, God, where are you at right now? Doctors say I'm sick. My son ran away, lost my job. My house is worth a fraction of what it used to be worth. Where are you in my present? You know what I love though? Psalms 46. Because it says, our God is a very present help. Oh, I got to say it again. You didn't catch it, somebody. He's our very... Jesus is our very present help in time of need. You know what this tells me today? Is that God's not just interested in your past. He doesn't just have something great for you in your future. That Jesus is the God that delights in your presence. He loves the present. He loves the present. Someone say, he loves the present. He loves the presence. I don't know what it is, but I just, I feel like so many people, so many people have all these great dreams and aspirations, but they have no faith for where they're at right now. Watch me now. I believe, I know this isn't possible, but I believe if there was a way to actually accumulate the wealth of the world, we would be amazed at where it's located. I know you can't do this, but hypothetically, just for an illustration for you, I believe that the wealthiest places on the planet actually are not in bank vaults. They're not in checking accounts or a safety deposit box in Switzerland. Uh, The wealthiest places in the world aren't at the bottom of an ocean in a treasure chest. I believe, and forgive me, I'm not morbid, but check, check this out. I believe that the most wealthy places on the planet, if you could do it, would be in cemeteries. How could you say that? Because all the things that could have happened in people's lives, that never happened. There's a wealth in these, these graveyards of all the things that God wanted to do in people's lives that they never had faith, they never had expectation for God to do. I don't know what, I don't know what I'm preaching to you here today, but God wants me to tell you that you're not just here on earth. You're not just, you're not just surviving right now. Because you know what a lot of people do? They say, one day we're going to go to heaven and be with Jesus forever. Who believes that? But a lot of people say, well, in the meantime... I'm just going to kind of make it. I'm going to kind of survive. I don't know what I'm preaching today, but this is victory church, isn't it? This is a victorious church. You know, so many Christians, that they buy into this nasty worldly logic that you're just supposed to go to school, get good grades, so you can get a good job, make lots of money, have a wife, have some kids, buy a house, have a fence, get a walk-in shower. Amen. And all you, all you, send your kids to school, pay for their weddings, be a good mom, be a good dad, and die and go home and be with Jesus. Friends, quite frankly, I believe there's so much more in life. 
And if Jesus is only interested in you getting to heaven one day, why did he leave you on earth when you became a Christian? I got to tell you, the reason why you're still here is because God's got something for you. Oh, I feel him right now. I feel him. God's got, he ain't through with you yet. And you know what I love about Jesus is that Jesus specializes in working in mean times. What are you saying, Mark? I'm saying that we go through mean times. Everyone goes. The Bible says that everyone goes through tribulations. But there's a bigger reason why we go through tribulations. Some people say, well, if God's so good, preacher, then why do good people go through bad stuff? Great question. My daughter uh, is crazy. I I told you she's two. She's crazy. Do you guys call them terrible twos here in Australia? I call them terrific twos. (sighs) That's a faith statement. I'm calling those things that are not as though they were. (sighs) She's in her terrific twos. And uh, one day we're out in the garage in our house. And we're we're out in the garage. And and we're uh, we're out in the garage. She runs now. She doesn't really walk anywhere. She just runs everywhere. If she's going somewhere, she's running. She's like Forrest Gump. Amen? And... She, uh, she, we're in the garage, and I'm cleaning my car out in the garage, and I live on this street, because that's where houses are, they're on streets. Uh, I'm in the garage, and my daughter, she, uh, she, she's in the garage with me, and she's, uh, she's playing, and she's in the garage, and I'm cleaning the car out, and I reach in just for like a half a second. I turn around, my garage door's open, and here's my daughter, she's running down the driveway. Olympic sprinter, I'm telling you, she's fast. She's sprinting down the driveway towards the street. You ever been there before, parents? It's a freaky moment. You're like, oh my, this, this worry and this, oh my gosh. It was like, I couldn't even say nothing. I just made the sound like. <sighs> and I, I sprinted down my driveway. I caught her right before she got to the street. Caught her in front, picked her up like a fish. Just caught her like a fish. Reeled her in, you know. I picked her up. I said, Kenzie, you don't ever scare daddy like that again. She looked at me, and she's not saved yet. Someone pray for her salvation. Amen. She looked at me. She wasn't even faced. She's like, acting all tough, right? I said, you never do that to daddy. She's like, I'm like, look at me, girl. I said, girl, you see this belt buckle right here? I will tattoo this belt buckle to your... I'm just kidding. I didn't say that. I wanted to say that. But uh, I was like, you never scare daddy like that again. How many of you guys ever were young and mom, I'm sweating a lot. And mom, anyone have any moms in here? Who's got a mom? Who loves their mom? Give it up for mom right now. Come on, give mom a clap. We love our moms. You guys call them moms here, right? All right, all right. I got to hurry up. I got to hurry up. Watch me now. I believe this today, I got to get this into somebody, is that my mom, she used to scream, and she used to, if I got near the stove when I was a kid, how many guys have kids, and your little kid is always fascinated with fire, they come near the stove, they sneak in while you're cooking, like fire, it's like the little, like, do you have those electric bug zappers here in Australia, it's like bugs, like that movie, The Bug's Life, it's like, it's so pretty, and they start getting sucked into the light. Stay away from the light. Stay away. You know, sorry, I'm a youth pastor. And, and it's like that's what kids are like. I remember being a kid. I still wake up. I have dreams sometimes. I hear my mom's voice. I wake up screaming. No! Hot! That's my mom used to always say when I was a kid. I, I'd get drawn near the fire. And I'd start reaching for it. 
And I get so close to touching. I was like almost there. And mom, honestly, this, this noise that just sent chills up your spine. No! Hot. Fetal position, thumb in the mouth. You know? Why does God allow us to go through hardship sometimes? It's not because he's mean. I believe that short-term pain oftentimes keeps us from long-term failure. Some of you have been going through some stuff. I feel it this morning. But the Lord sent me here to tell you, uh, I'm going to give you four things today. I have a longer message, but we're running low on time, so I'm going to just cut this right here. You ready? I want you to remember these four things and never forget them the rest of your life. These things have guided me. You're a pastor, aren't you, Mark? Absolutely. Well, pastors don't go through hard times. Ha. Watch this. Four things that guided me. I've been mentored by some of the greatest leaders in America, and they've taught me this. Is If you're taking notes, I want you to write this. It doesn't matter how old you are or how young you are. The first thing I want you to remember in life, in mean times, is number one is that God is in control. Can I be really practical today? I'm a pastor. This is what I do. I, I speak at conferences, but I am a pastor. And so I'm not going to give you something. I love using this phrase that if you take a man hunting for the night, you feed him for a day. But if you teach him how to hunt, you feed him for a life. I'm here today to give someone some tools. Watch me now. When you're going through a mean time, you lose your job. You're going through a divorce. Things are happening. You know what you do? Number one thing you do is you get alone with Jesus and you remind him that he's in control. You know, I love to worship God because when I worship, I'm not just saying that, God, you're in control. I'm saying, devil, you're not. I'm reminding him, you're in control. You're not. Serve a really big God, and there's a little itty-bitty devil. Can I get an amen? Watch me now. First thing I want you to do, this is really basic. Forgive me for this, but this, this is what God sent me here to, t- to tell you. Is Number one is that God is in control. Can I just say it this way? Especially when you don't think he is. That's usually when he is the most. Second thing I want to get into your spirit today is this, is that God always, someone shout always. I need a good shout in here. Someone say always. Always has your, someone point at your neighbor and say, he's talking to you. He always has your eternal, key word in the sentence, eternal best interest at mind. What does that mean? It means that I will spank my daughter if I need to spank her when she acts crazy because I love her. And even though I might have put the fear of God in her when I screamed at her on that street that day, she's not running into that street again anytime soon. Watch me now. It was painful in the moment because First Peter talks about, you know what's crazy? We always want God to give us stuff and things, but the Bible I read says in First Peter chapter 1, verses 6 and 7, thank you, Holy Spirit, that God actually is more interested in the genuineness of your faith than the temporary trials. And there's something more valuable than gold, rubies, and diamonds, and houses, and cars, and that's called the genuineness of your faith. Can I get a good amen today? So what does that mean, Mark? It means that God doesn't make, but God is a God that allows. We call it, theologians call it, it's his permissive will. It means that God allows things to happen sometimes that temporarily wound us, temporarily set us back. God doesn't make them happen, but the Bible says that it's something that God allows. God didn't make Job have a bad day. God didn't cause Job. Watch me now. God didn't make all the bad things happen to Job, but he allowed them. Why? Because James says that we know the intended purpose of God. 
What are you saying? Job lost his, he lost his children. He lost his money. He lost his fame, his prestige, his success, his career, all in one day. Probably experienced more pain than all of us in this room. But you know what I love about Job is that he knew that God always had his eternal best interest at mind. How could you say that, Mark? Because the Bible I read says that Job never cursed God, number one. And the, and the reason that blows my mind, this, the, one of the most powerful verses in the Bible, is that Job, in the height of his distress, in his meantime, says, Though God slay me, yet will I trust him. I don't care what I go through. God's in control. Someone say, God's in control doesn't matter what's going on in life. Is you remember that God's in control, he always has your eternal best interest at mind. Number three, write this down. Romans 8, 28. It says that God causes all things to work together for good. If you're in a bad, ugly, sticky place right now, look at me right now. I'm talking to you. God is going to cause us to work together for good if you trust him. You hear the little contingent statement right there? If you trust him. Man, I'm going through pain right now, man. Mark, you don't understand. We're, we're going to lose everything financially. The Bible doesn't say if you serve God and you tithe, you'll never go through hardships. The Bible that I read says that you'll be blessed. And I learned from Bishop T.D. Jakes that blessing doesn't deal with the immediate. It deals with the end. And when the blessing of God is on your life, you might go through short-term stuff. But in the end, we win. You know, I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian because I know that I like to win. I serve Jesus because I hate to lose. And I know the future, and my Jesus wins. Watch me now, watch me now, watch me now. I believe someone in here needs to know today is that everything in your life is going to work together for good. Someone say a good amen. Man, i got to finish. i got to finish. Am I doing okay, Pastor? Watch this now. i got to close right here. Watch this. Last point I want to get into your spirit today is that God is in the business of doing miracles in your meantime. Moses had a great, had a great future, but he spent... 40 years in a meantime, God met him in a burning bush. Stop the meantime. I don't know what I'm talking to you today. Joseph had a great dream when he was young, but in the meantime, he was thrown in pits, thrown in prisons, all the while trusted God and ended up right where God wanted him to be. There's a guy, probably, probably the, the, just the greatest illustration, one of my favorite illustrations is, is the man in Bethesda in John chapter 5 that was laying down for 38 years, laying there feeling sorry for himself. Well, if I would have had better parents, if my parents were pastors, if, if I would have been able to walk, if I would have been able to, to, to do my own, if I, if I could, if I could do, and all these excuses, oh man, if I just had this, if I just would have been there, if I would have, if coach would have put me in that rugby game in 1979, going down memory lane, feeling sorry, 38 years felt sorry for himself. Watch me now, this is where the Holy Spirit's going to come. If I get a keyboardist up here, I'm, I'm about finished. Jesus walks into this pool in Bethesda, and in one moment, one encounter with Jesus flipped his meantime upside down. This is the word of the Lord to this church today. It's who God develops you to be in the meantime that God uses you in the uptimes. I feel something in here right now. It's what God's developing in you right now. That's why I love it because God is a God that turns our messes in our life into our messages. He's the God that turns our trials and our tests into some of our greatest testimonies. This is the word that God told me for this church, Pastor. He said that Victory Church will be victorious 
but you will never experience victory without battles. You know, we want, we ask God for miracles. And when, when we get into a situation that we need one, we freak out. Lord, work miracles. And you get a bad report. Your son gets sick. God, why would you let my son get sick? He says, because you want to see miracles, don't you? Lay your hands on them and watch what I'll do. You'll never have a story to tell if you never go through anything. Oh, who am I preaching to today? I feel like I'm preaching to somebody. Listen to me. You, if you don't go through hardships and you don't go through some storms, you know what perseverance is? Perseverance and being blessed in life by God doesn't mean you never go through stuff. It means that when you go through it, you know who's in control. And as you get through it, and as you get through it on the other side, when you go through the fire, you don't smell like the fire. Nothing singed on you. You know what I've learned in life is that when you go through mean times, they will either make you bitter or they will make you better. And I learned from Bishop T.D. Jakes the other day that one of the worst things you can do with your life is get bitter. God, I hate you. God, you, why'd you let my wife die? God, why would, you, why would you allow us to have a miscarriage? God, why would you? Why would you? Quite frankly, ladies and gentlemen, God is bigger and smarter than everyone. Well, I don't believe that. I'm smart. Well, let's just think about this for a second. It took you five years to tie your shoes. Pretty sure you with your, I don't know, 27 years of education... 50 years of life experience really don't have anything on a God that's been around forever. I'm pretty sure his ways are higher, aren't they? <sighs> Feel them in here right now. Some miracles coming. This is the end of the message. Thank you for taking the time to listen. And God bless.